Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. We sort of began this series a few uh, weeks ago talking about what does it mean to be a Jesus follower. You know, for too many of us, we define following Jesus by the things that we do or the things we don't do. That is, we, you know, go to church, read your Bible, you do all those Christian things, and then you don't do the other things. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you know, those kinds of things. And then we also have defined it in the church today by what we know. You know, we have this tendency that when we're able to recite the right doctrine, say the right things, that we feel like we're a Jesus follower. And while there are some things included in being a Jesus follower that you don't do, and some things you do do, and there are some things you should know, being a Jesus follower is all about what? It's about relationships. That's what we've talked about these past few weeks. When you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you find that Jesus had relationships. His primary and most important relationship was his relationship with the Father. We find Jesus often, as we talked about last week, we find Jesus often getting away from the crowds and spending time with the Father in prayer. And so if Jesus made that relationship important, then what we ought to do as Jesus' followers is we ought to make that relationship important as well. Amen? You agree? Certainly if it's important to Jesus. And last week, you know, we talked about that. And then Jesus, we find in the gospel, spent time with his disciples, right? That is, we would now call that spending time with each other. That is a time, so we're abiding in the Father, but we're connecting with each other. And so... That's what we want to do in relationship with each other is connect. And so Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples. As a matter of fact, the closer he got to the cross, the more private time he spent with them. Obviously, for the main reason that we know that he's going to go to the cross, he's going to die, he's going to resurrect, and then he's going to leave the ministry in the hands of that ragamuffin group of people. Isn't that incredible that he was going to do that? Well, we can't really give them a hard time because we're now the ragamuffins, right? We're now the ones that have been made disciples who are making disciples who, in turn, are making more disciples. And so when we talk about being a Jesus follower, we talk about relationships with the Father, with each other, but then there is that relationship that we have to the world. Not the relationship of loving the world, but that relationship to the world by which we love the people of the world. If we never loved the world like Jesus did, we wouldn't go out and share the gospel. We would be comfortable in our own skin. We'd be comfortable in the pew, and we would never go out beyond the walls of the church to tell people that the Lord Jesus Christ died for them, rose for them, that they may be saved. That's where disciple-making begins. It begins when the moment when God quickens the heart and the man is saved or a woman is saved, and they begin to be discipled by us as a church. But it begins with the gospel. we got to go and proclaim and tell the gospel. And that's why we have all those names on the backboard that we're praying for, that God would open their hearts, shine the light of the gospel, and they may be saved. But listen, that God would use us in a gospel conversation with those people. Because the Bible's clear. How are they going to know if they never hear? Amen? Because as much as we enjoy, listen, as Christians, we interpret the world. We look at the weather. We look at the stars. We look at the moon. We look at the Grand Canyon. We go, man, God is awesome. But that's foolishness to them. They don't see God in that. They don't see God in creation. They see billions and billions of years. They don't see God. And so they need the gospel. And so we ought to love people. So we talked about if it's about relationships, then what we ought to be doing 
is we ought to spend time intentionally building those relationships, right? I mean, intentionally spending time investing in relationships with the Father, with each other, and with the world. And we talked about that last week. Remember, I gave you four. I talked about we have what, we were, what we're calling God time. And we talked last week about devotion and spending time with God, getting alone with God, and abiding in Him. And we talked, we, we talked about in that go time, it's about relationship. It's not about, am I going to read my Bible all the way through this year? Am I going to have, you know, 20 chapters read by the end of the day? No, it's all about, am I building my relationship with the Father? Am I abiding in Him? It's, listen, it's a blessing to read one verse and spend an hour with God than to read 100 chapters and not get anything from God. Amen? And so we want to spend our time slowly, intentionally building a relationship with the Lord. And then we sort of, we threw these four things out. We talked about a gather time. That's what we're doing this morning. We're gathering together. And then we talked a little bit about a group time. That is taking what we do here and making it smaller. And then we're going to talk about next week together. We're going to talk about Go time. Now, Lord willing, I'm going to try to deal with two at one time today. I'm going to try to deal with our gather time and our group time. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because Easter is pressing. And so we're going to have Good Friday service. I hope you're planning on coming. We're going to have Easter service. And then immediately following Easter, the Lord's already put on my heart to preach through the parables. And so we're going to do a series on the parables. So I hope you're, you'll come and you'll hear a series on the parables and what God's going to do. So for today, I want to talk about with you our gather time and our group time. So what are, what are we talking about here? Well, turn to Acts chapter 2. I know it's redundant. And I know in your mind, it's like, oh, here we go again in Acts chapter 2. But it's a foundational verse for the church and how the church operates. Notice in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 46. It'll be on the screen if you need it. He says, listen, so continuing daily with one accord. Now I want you to underline this. In the temple. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple. And breaking bread, here it is, underline this, from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Did you catch what it said in verse 46? That they met in the temple, but then they also met from house to house. So what does it sound like? It sounds to me like what they did is they had a gather time where they all met. Now, you need to understand, 3,000 folks got saved at Pentecost. That's a big church. I mean, we, I mean, it's incredible how big that church is, right? 3,000 folks. Well, really, it's a little bit bigger than that because we know there were at least 120 in the upper room praying. So you got 3,120 people, and they're gathering to worship. But then the Bible says, then they met from house to house. You know why you got to do that? Because listen, you don't have enough space for everybody to meet every day in the public. And so they brought it down and made it smaller. So they would take and they branch off, make it, we're going to talk about that. So they make it smaller. Now listen, you're saying, well, that's just an Acts 2. Well, it's not just an Acts 2. I want you to look at Acts chapter 5. And listen to what it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 42. It says, as it surmises in that chapter, it talks about the church. And listen to what it says in verse 42. And, And it says, and daily in the temple and in every house. So there it is. It's in Acts 5. That they would meet in the temple, but then they would also be in every house. And they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. 
So apparently, as the church grows, as the church moves forward, there would be this time that they would spend together in gather time, but then there would be this habit that they would make of going smaller and meeting in group time. Now that's important. So let's talk about those two things. When we think about connecting with one another, let's talk about gather time. That's what we're doing this morning. Amen? This is our gather time. I don't know about you. I love Sunday morning. Well, amen. I got a couple of them. Amen. Some are like, well, if it was a little later in the day, maybe I could get along okay. Well, you know, Roger and I always joke about Sunday school. You know, 915 Sunday school starts at, you know, 930, 945, something like that. You know, so I'm, I'm just glad you're here for worship. So when you think about worship, we're gathering together. And the big question I want us to answer as we think about gathering together, because now, remember, we talked about all the theory. We talked about all, you know, Jesus' relationships and how he did relationships. But now what we want to do is we want to put some applicational steps to our series. Because, not, it, it, listen, it's not important just to know it. What's important is that we walk it out. And so what do we do when we gather? What is gathering all about? Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to bounce around a little bit today. And I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 5 what we do when we worship. Listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say to us. You're going to say, well, that's not worship. That's about the Holy Spirit. Well, if the Holy Spirit is not at worship today, we're not worshiping. So let me just tell you, we need him today. But I want you to see in worship... In chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 18, he says, And do not, he says, be drunk with wine, he said, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, he says, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the, he said, all things to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. As, as Paul is talking about why we gather, let me just give you a couple of things to hang your hat on. First of all, we gather because we've come to worship the Lord. Can I tell you that this morning, all that we're doing in this room is all about Jesus. The music's about Jesus. The preaching's about Jesus. The offering's about Jesus. The, the fellowship that you did this morning should be about Jesus. Everything is Christ centered. Isn't that what Paul said? Notice he says, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He says, singing and making melody in your heart. What? To the Lord. Everything that he just said before that is about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that is worthy. Why? Because he suffered. He died. He went to the cross. Listen, when we couldn't save ourselves, he saved us. And then not only did he go to the cross and die as a propitiation for your sin, but praise God on the third day, he rose from the dead. Amen. That's something to rejoice about that. He came to life again. We don't have a dead savior. We have a living savior. And so we come together this morning and we worship the Lord. And how do we do that? Well, he says in that text, we do it by being spirit-filled, right? Do not be drunk with wine. That is, don't come to church drunk, amen? He said, but be filled with the Spirit. So when we come together to worship, we ought to be spirit-filled Christians. That has not changed from Jesus' word to the woman at the well. Look over and or listen to the words of John 4. He says this, but the hour is coming and now is, he said, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What a great reminder. 
You and I, as we gather in here in this room today, listen, if we don't get anything out of this time, it could be, it could be that you're not spirit-filled this morning. It could be, amen? It could be that we're distracted and we got our minds on other things and so we're not listening to the, the tuning of our heart by the Holy Spirit as we gather in this room to worship. And you know, we can blame on the preacher, we can blame it on the musicians, we can blame it on the singer, we can blame it on the person who didn't say hi to us this morning. We can blame a lot of things on what we don't get out of worship. But let me tell you something, it begins in my own heart. And you know what? I know that because let me tell you something. I sat through some boring worship before. Amen. But God spoke. I'll I, I tell you, I told the story before. You probably don't remember. I told the story. I went to my mother-in-law's church. They were running probably 35 people at the time and they were having a revival. So that, that was a high attendance night. They were having revival. And this group came in, the Southern gospel group came in. They set up their speakers and they began to worship. And I thought to myself, Lord, if I could just slip out of this room, I would do that right now. It's, it's not my favorite kind of music. It's not, not my favorite. But let me tell you something. I sat there because I wasn't going to be ignorant and leave. But I sat there. And as I sat there, the Spirit of God just began to speak to me. And I found myself weeping and worshiping Jesus. And I'm like, what is going on? I mean, this is like captured my heart this morning. You see what I'm saying? If the Spirit of God is in you and he is working in you, listen, this, this time... It's going to be Christ-centered. It's not going to be about you. I'll trip on my own box. not going to be about you. It's going to be about him. Amen? Because the Spirit of God is working. So we ought to be Spirit-filled. But that's not all he says. Listen, he says that worship, this time together, is about singing. Go back to Ephesians 5. Do what? You're singing and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He about covers it all, doesn't he? You know, you can pull out the Old Testament and you can go to the songbook of the Old Testament, the Psalms, and you can sing a psalm, Tim, and that would be worship. Amen? We, we can sing a hymn and that would be worship. We can sing a new song and that's worship. Amen? Because he says what? Psalms and hymns are spiritual songs. But here's the focus. Is it Jesus? If it's not Jesus, then we don't need to be singing it. Right? Because we're here to worship Jesus this morning. And so we sing. So our gather time is about being spirit-filled believers in order that we would point to Jesus and worship him. And how do we do that? We do that through song. And we make sure we keep everything Christ-centered. But then listen, he caps that off. What, what should worship be about, if anything? It should be about gratitude. Go back to the text, he says, making melody in your heart to the Lord, he says, and giving thanks all ways or in all things to the father in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Have you come in here with gratitude this morning? Huh? Have you come in here with gratitude? Because that's what it says, right? This gather time as we worship the Lord Jesus Christ should be about gratitude. It's interesting. We have prayer meeting. And when you talk about prayer meeting, you know, anybody got any prayer requests and boom, 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 boom around the room. We got prayer requests. Sometimes it's silent, not a whole lot. But you say, anybody got anything to praise the Lord about? We're always slow about getting into it. <laughs> I mean, am I right? We're a little slow about getting into it. When we come here this morning, listen, it's about being grateful for what the Lord has done. And if all my testimony is, hey, I was lost and Jesus found me. What a testimony. Hey, I can add to mine, I was in New Jersey and Jesus found me. Amen. <laughs> I'm a Yankee turned Southern Baptist. That's crazy, isn't it? Well, not anymore with the North American Mission Board planting churches all over the place. We're finding them more and more and more. They're killing my story. So 
What do we do? When we gather, we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that spirit-filled. We do that through songs. And we do that with, oh, I'm thankful, Jesus. But that's not the only thing we do when we gather. Because here's the second thing we do. We hear from the Word of God. You know, I'm just not a proponent of not having the Bible preached on a Sunday morning. I'm just not a proponent. I just think that's what we ought to do. I love what John MacArthur said in his commentary. He says, for its earliest years, the church has been committed to the teaching of God's word. The reading and the explanation of the word was central to every worship service. That's so true. How do I know it's true? Well, listen to what the apostle Paul told young Timothy, a young pastor. He said to him in 1 Timothy 4, he says, until I come, give public attention to, attention to the reading the exhortation, and to doctrine. The New King James just puts it that way. To reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. What he means is public reading. He means that when we gather together, listen, it is the habit, it should be the habit of every church when we meet on Sunday morning and gather time to hear from the word of the Lord. It's not thus saith Mike, it's what does the Lord have to say? You know, I've been preaching a long time and I know that I'm very fallible. I know that there's times where Tim and I gather on Sunday. He goes, you know what you said yesterday? I say, nope, I don't know what I said. And we'll have some kind of funny story to tell. Amen? If you really want to get a laugh, Casey, you still got that thing you put together? That, that little montage you put together? You can hear some funny things. Uh, Casey had fun with me one day and put some of my funny sayings together. Made me sound really funny. I appreciate that. Maybe I can get with Jermaine and help sell that or something on his side. But... <clears throat> So I want you to think, though, when we gather together, and so we move from where we move into the Word. Now, what is he saying about the Word of God? Listen, he says three things about the Word. Number one, the public reading of the Word. So there should be a reading of the Word of God in every worship service when we come together. But that's not all we do. The exhortation part, that's the fun part, at least for me. It's the encouraging part. It is that part by which we open up the Word of God, we read it, and then what we do is we challenge each other. Think about that. We're challenged to live out this truth. When I'm talking about being a Jesus follower this morning and that the life of a Jesus follower is about relationships, and when I tell you that you ought to take time to invest in those relationships, whether it's with the Father, with each other, or with the world, listen, I'm doing that to encourage you. I'm doing that to say to you, this is the way it's done. This is how we ought to live the Christian life. And what you ought to do with that is say, you know what, I've been encouraged, I've been exhorted, then I ought to apply it to my life. And so we do that. We encourage one another. But he says this, and doctrine. Doctrine can be defined as the word teaching. It's not just that we stand up here and give doctrinal truth. And we want to every time. We never want, listen, if I ever stop preaching doctrine, kick me out. Get rid of me if I don't give correct doctrine. Because you want biblical truth, that is biblical truth. But the reality is when we come together, it is teaching the whole counsel of God's word. We don't pick and choose. We don't decide, well, we're going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about that. And in some time or another, you're going to hit everybody. Amen? That's what you're going to do. But we don't machine gun it every Sunday. What we do is we preach what God has called us and led us to preach. And we stand up and we read the public word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, use this, your word, to the hearts of your people. That's my prayer every Sunday. I pray right there on that bench. Right before I get up, every Sunday I get up. Before I get up, I pray, God, please, first of all, hide Mike behind the cross. And let Jesus be forefront, but let the word be penetrating. God, do something. Don't let me hide the word. Let the word be out there. 
And so when you and I get together, listen, it's about this precious book. If you go to church and the Bible is not a primary part of the service, you hadn't worshiped. You hadn't worshiped. The third thing we do is we encourage one another. Aren't you glad that we come together? Now I'm not gonna belabor this point because if you were in the gym with us, we worshiped in the gym a few weeks ago. I preached a whole sermon on Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, but let me read it to you again. He said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, what? And so much more as you see the day approach. Jesus is coming back, folks. Amen? He's coming back. I'm looking forward to that day. And so he says that you and I, when we gather together, listen, we ought to be doing a couple of things when we think about encouragement. First of all, we ought to consider one another. Have you come to church thinking about yourself? If you come to church thinking about yourself this morning, you're thinking about the wrong thing. First of all, your mind ought to be on Jesus. That We already settled that. Christ-centered. The second thing, it ought to be on each other. We ought to be thinking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because listen, we're here this morning. When we get together, you know, I, I love Alabama football. <laughs> I love when we get together and we talk about football. I love that. Somebody asked me about, did Auburn play the basketball game yet or not? I don't care about basketball. Amen? I want to know about football. And so I love when the fall of the year, when we talk, sit around talking about Alabama football. I love that. I love watching the games. But when we come to church, listen, I don't want to just encourage and talk about football. What I want to do is encourage each other and consider each other. Listen, he said, because the day is approaching. What I want to do is I want to learn how can I invest? How can I make disciples of one another? How can we invest in each other's lives? Because we ought to be considering one another. We ought to go beyond football and talk about the Lord. And how can we do that? And notice the words he used. He used the word to stir up. That word means to incite. Remember I preached that back in the gym. We talked about inciting. That is like a crowd being drummed up, getting excited about something. And so we ought to come together this morning and we ought to incite one another to live this Christian life for Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, this is like the pep rally. This is a pep rally. Amen? Like we we have the worship going on. It's pointed to Jesus. You know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, and then we get the preaching. You know, that's like the, you know, the captain of the team talking about, yeah, we're going to go out there Friday and we're going to kick some. Never mind. Um, so, you know, we talk about all those things, you know, so we get excited about Jesus and we stir each other up. Why? Because tomorrow is Monday morning. And we know what that means. Right? That means we get up early. We get the kids out of bed and all chaos starts. Amen. I don't know how it is at your house. But man, when I get my grandkids up in the morning, or when they get themselves up in the morning, that's when it all really starts. Amen. I mean, I'm talking about the chaos, you know. And I have to go drive them to school and get in that, that line, that car line. that People don't do what they're supposed to do in a car. I don't know why. They just don't do what they're supposed to do in a car line. I don't, it drives me nuts. <clears throat> but you all know. That's where I sin, so it's going to be in the car. So <clears throat> gather time. Gather time, listen, is about considering each other, about stirring each other up. Listen, but it's also about a priority. Now I'm preaching to the choir. You're here this morning, but can I just ask you, is coming to church, being at church, being in the fellowship with one another, is that a priority in your life? Can I just tell you that Tom Rader tells us it's not a priority in most lives anymore, that most Christians would consider themselves to be a faithful attending church member if they go just twice a month. Can I tell you, the apostle Paul talked about the importance of being together. The Hebrew writer talks about the importance of gathering together, not forsaking the assignment. Why? Because let me tell you something. You cannot live the Christian life in isolation. 
You cannot live it in isolation. It is not designed for Mike Foreman to live on his own in the Christian life. I need you and you need me. Why? Because we incite each other to live for Jesus. We come and we consider, listen, I know here I'm loved. Amen? I'm not that loved out there. But I know in here I'm loved. Amen? So we call this our gather time. Now let me talk about bringing it down home because a lot of people in this room, you're not in group time. And let me just talk about group time this morning. And first of all, let me, let me define what I mean because I think sometimes we get this misunderstanding. Of what are we talking about when we talk about groups? So let me just clarify what I mean by groups. First of all, groups are, are groups that consist of three to 12 people. Now, some larger churches do larger groups, but you lose the dynamic. So groups ought to be probably three to 12 people. Uh, a group, listen, is, and here's the most important thing. It is a group of believers who are living their life, their Christian life, together in community. I want you to think about that. It is about you and I who are believers living our life in community. You're saying, well, that's what I'm doing here. I don't need to be a small group, parcel. No, you're not doing that here. Oh, you may say hi to somebody, and you may get an opportunity to shake a hand, but you're not living life on small, like, like you need to be right here. You're not. It's just impossible. We can't do it. And so when we begin to think about group, gather time, uh, making it, or excuse me, group time, making it smaller, it, it's about sharing life together. So what is a small group? Because here's where, we, here's where we get a little irritated. Some don't like this idea of doing small group outside church. And it's like, well, I just, don't, I just don't think that's the right thing. Listen, can I just tell you that why can't we do both and? Why is it that we can't just say, you know, a small group is Sunday school? Amen? We have some small group leaders in here we call Sunday school teachers. I lead a small group on Sunday morning. It's my Sunday school class. Tim leads a small group, but his is not on Sunday morning. His is on Sunday night. They have a small group. But they meet at his house. So we can do both and. We don't have to be on campus. We don't have to be here. We can do Sunday school and we can do small group. Amen? That's small group. Why? Because it should be a group of people that are living life together. Now, when you think about living life together, can I just ask you, why do we do this? Why do we live life together? Number one, here's the most important reason we do it, is connection. Connection. Do you desire a relationship with others? Do you want to know when you go to church, that church loves you? Uh, you know, I'm just going to tell my story. Here's my testimony. Marie and I were in the Air Force. We moved all the way from Dover, Delaware, down to Columbus, Mississippi. We never lived in, I'd never lived in the South. Marina had been in Alabama many occasions. Her family's from Alabama. And so I had never been in the South. I, I went and bought me a cowboy hat, a big buckled belt, some cowboy boots. I'm just joking with you. I didn't really do that. Marina wouldn't let me. So... <laughs> We moved, we, moved, uh, we moved down to Columbus, Mississippi, and Marie and I decided right away we were not going to go to the base chapel. We were going to begin to look for church. So we went to one church really outside the main gate, and so we went to that church, and eh, you know, it was okay. And then we went to another church, eh, it was okay. Then we finally went to the church that we ended up becoming full-fledged members of, and God called us the ministry out of. It was Emmanuel Baptist Church in Columbus, and when we went there, it was a church about our size, and uh, one of the folks came up to us and said, hey, we got a Sunday school class. Would you like to come to our Sunday school class? So Maria was like, well, why not? We'll, we like the preaching. We like the people around us. So we went to Sunday school. 
And can I tell you that Marie and I were talking about this this morning, and she said, you know, Mike, she said, you remember, remember what we talked about? I said, well, I, don't, I really don't remember. She said, well, you know what we talked about was we liked the Sunday school class, but, you know, the church was okay. No one that the church was bad. One that the preaching was bad. But we really loved our Sunday school class. And you know what ended up happening? John, I ended up joining that church because of my Sunday school class. I didn't join the church because I had a good preacher, and, he, and, and I loved Mike. Because it had great music, and we sang in the choir, so I know it was great. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so I didn't join the church for that. I joined the church because when we got connected with those people in our Sunday school, listen, let me tell you what connection's all about. We, we would meet on Friday nights, Tim, and we would play board games together. As we talked about board games, listen, we talk about the Lord Jesus. And I grew so much through those relationships that I ever would have done if I never joined that small group called the Sunday school class. That's my testimony. Now, here's the reality. Why do you need connection? Because in the Bible, there are 59, count them, 59 one another's. You know, like one of the texts of things that the Bible says you ought to do one to another. Just listen to a sampling. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate to one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. Hebrews 3, 13, but exhort one another daily. James 5, 16, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another lest, or excuse me, that you may be healed. That's just a sampling. And I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all this morning are ready to do that last one another? How many of y'all are ready to come up here this morning and, and confess your sin? Confess your faults. How many of us want to do that this morning in front of the church? Now there's a place and a time for that. But you know where that takes place? That takes place in a small group. I can better do the one another's that Jesus is calling me to do, the Word is calling me to do. I can better do them not sitting in rows out here this morning. I can do that better sitting in a small group with people, listen, with people I've learned to trust. I know they love me. And I know that I can be vulnerable with them and they will still love me. That's what I can do. So small group is so crucial. Going to Sunday school or going to a small group is so crucial because it is there that I live this one another connectivity. Now, there's some one another's we can do in here for certain, and we ought to do. You know, greet, greet one another with a holy kiss. Amen? Nobody laughed. I thought I was going to get a laugh, but anyway. It's okay. It's all right. That's all right. Maybe y'all going to take me serious. I don't know. I just, you know. So we begin to build community. We begin to build real community with one another, when we connect with one another. And so, listen, and small group, listen, can I just tell you, small group is where you're really ministered to. If a Sunday school small group and a small group on Sunday night or whatever you do it is working right, there's where you're ministered out of. So you don't get mad at the preacher when he doesn't show up at the hospital. Why? Because you've got the people that love you that are there. Amen? They come to the hospital. They bring you the food when you go home. How many of y'all Sunday school classes take food to the people in your, in your Sunday school who got surgery? Y'all do that, right? You model that. Why? Because you love them. You want to minister and take care of them. That's where real connection is taking place. That's where real ministry is taking place. But not just for connectivity. But listen, we do it, number two, for spiritual formation. Now, that's a big word just to say that's how we grow in Jesus. We grow together. Amen? We help each other to grow. And let me, I just wrote down three things. Just write these down just real quickly. Small group afford us the opportunity to study, to learn, and to encourage each other in the word of God. It's hard. Listen, listen if you raised your hand right now to ask a question, I'd just ignore you. I just thought the Holy Spirit hit you and you put your hand up to praise God, you know. Or you're just like, amen, brother. Like that sermon. I'd ignore you. 
But you know, when you're in a small group, that's when you can ask those good questions. Amen. Amen. I, I, was, I was hoping you were going to do that. He asked all the questions in my Sunday school class. He keeps me on my toes. Number two, write this down. Small group is also where accountability takes place. Oh, there's that ugly Baptist word we don't like, accountability. I'm not accountable to anybody. Well, yes, you are. But here's the beauty of it. I don't mind being accountable and having an accountability to people that are loving and safe. Amen? I don't mind being accountable to a group I meet on Sunday morning and share in my Sunday school class who I know love me and, and they you know, know that when I share a vulnerability in there, it's not on the prayer list Wednesday night. Amen? Why? Because they love me and they care for me and they're, they're going to keep confidentiality. We don't mind doing that. See, the problem with us in accountability is when we do it harshly, is when we do it without love, when we just do it out of legalism. But when we have a group that loves us, we don't mind being accountable to that group. Amen? Let me tell you, when I travel and I'm by myself, can I just tell you the accountability of just knowing I've got to come back here on Sunday morning and preach or I've got to see folks on Wednesday night? You know, that, that is a great accountability knowing that I love you and that you love me. And I don't ever want to stand in this pulpit one morning and have to read a letter of resignation saying, hey, I had an affair with my wife this week. I don't want to do that. Small group's important, let me tell you. It's important. It holds each other accountable. Thirdly, write this down. Small group is also where you're vulnerable about your weaknesses, struggles, and temptations, but it's also where you get encouragement to get past those. Amen. It's where I say, come on, brother, you can make it. I'll help you. I'll keep you accountable. You can call me in the middle of the night when you're tempted to get on the computer and look at porn. Call me. I will promise you. I will help you. I will walk beside you. I'm going to tell you, rather than condemn you, it's important, folks spiritual formation. We grow even in our getting over our vulnerabilities and struggles with each other in small group. Thirdly, small group is important because of this one word, mission. Making disciples. Let's never forget the mandate. What's the mandate? Jesus says, Matthew 28, I'm going to read it. Listen to one fresh and new. And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, small group is where we connect together to fulfill the mission. I don't know about you, I don't want to go out by myself. I enjoy it. You know, one of the vulnerabilities, one of the weaknesses of my ministry is, and just to be all honest with you, sometimes I struggle with going out and visiting, but it's so helpful to have Brother David Stout with me. We get in that little car of his, and believe it or not, it'll still go with me in it. And we'll, we'll go down the road and we'll go visit together. It's so nice to go with somebody. I sure hate going by myself. And it's the same thing in the mission. When we're accomplishing the mission of making disciples, it's great to have community. It's great to have a brother and sisters beside us who are doing life together in order that we can reach all people. And so we come together, listen, as a small group, connecting together in spiritual formation in order that we would accomplish the mission of making disciples. Why? Because it's true. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So we come together. A small group works together. So what do you do, small group? What am, what am I talking about? Let me put some, some examples that you may take and use in your small group. How about invite your lost friends to small group or a small group fellowship? You're saying, oh, that's a community of believers. Boy, what a great example. Amen? What a great example to show a lost person how Christians live together in community. 
How we love one another and need each other. You know, have, have this coaching friend of mine. He always uses the word FWAP, F-W-A-P. Have fellowships with a purpose. Amen? Maybe your small group needs to have a fellowship with a purpose. The purpose of, hey, we're going to have a barbecue, but the purpose of that is to bring our lost friends that night so they can see what Christian community looks like, and maybe perhaps we can make a disciple out of those people. Amen? Engage them together. How beautiful is that? How about this? How about you get together and you take a mission trip together? Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? To get together, maybe go to the, go, I know you guys taking your small group up to Dothan to the children's home. You know, that's an that's a in-house, I mean, that's an in-state quick mission trip. You go with, but, but you go, listen, mission trip is not, hey, we're just going to go play, but it's with the, with the mindset of giving them Jesus, giving them the Lord, right? We're, we're going to go for that. And then thirdly, what about this? What about engaging in a community project? You say, oh, that's not religious. Oh yeah, I know it's not religious, but let me tell you something. When you engage in community and they realize that the community, you know, realize you love them and that you care for them, listen, that opens all kinds of doors for the gospel. Amen. It does. It really does. Whatever you do, though, keep it gospel-centered. So as we close this morning, let me ask you two questions. One, are you committed to gather time? And I'm not asking that for a religious, you know, get you to buy into a religion or a religious standard. I'm asking that because you need this time. You need to come together and worship the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords so that you can... Worship him and express your thanksgiving and worship so that you can come together and hear from the word so that you can come together and encourage one another as the day is getting closer. Listen, are you engaged in a, in a small group? Listen, whether it's Sunday school or whether it's a small group off campus, if you want connectivity in this church, there's where it's at. The average person can only be friends or know really well 69 people. That's, not, that's a lot of people, but that's uh, not so many people. It's hard for me as a pastor to even remember everybody's names. I know that's terrible. You know, you think after, you know, almost 11 years, I know everybody's name. Well, I, I guess I do, but sometimes I have one of those young senior moments and forget. But, yeah, young senior moments, you know, forget. But, but the reality is, if I want to go deeper, I can tell you right now, I know everybody very well in my Sunday school class. I know them better than some others in the church. Why? Because I spend every week with them. In class, we have, we have a smash of a Christmas fellowship. We have a great time together. We steal presents from each other and, and we still like each other. That's amazing, you know? But we do that because, well, listen, we're living life together. Let's pray together. Maybe. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.